0: We continue this morning our journey into joy in the letter of Paul to the church in Philippi, reading the second half of the second chapter this morning, page 952 in your Pew Bibles, beginning at verse 12 and reading through verse 30. Word of God from Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. In vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not for those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. The Word of God. In your imagination, for a moment, close your eyes and lie on your back on a dock over a lake, on a clear night, in the dark, in July. And look at all the stars. That's one of my favorite things to do at the lake. I read some time ago that two British astronomers discovered what they said was the most distant object known in the universe. It's a quasar. Twenty billion light-years away from us. Imagine that. Twenty billion light-years away. And I ordinarily don't read literature like this, but then they went on to explain what a quasar is. Star-like masses that seem to generate more energy than a hundred billion stars. In one hour, some quasars generate energy equal to the amount generated during the sun's entire lifetime. And further, they said, scientists believe quasars to be collections of black holes. Objects so incredibly dense, they suck in all the light around them. Now, I can understand those words, but I'm having trouble wrapping my imagination around a collection of holes sucking in the light and so far away that if we could travel the speed of light, 186,000 miles a second, 670 million miles an hour, it would still take us 20 billion years to get there. And they saw it. Some other astronomers discovered what they believed to be a star, being born. And everything they said about it is just paradoxical. It's 520 light years away. Quote, relatively close, making it easier to see in finer detail, they said. The temperature there is a minus 233 degrees centigrade. Warm enough, they said, by interstellar standards that it led us to think this would be an interesting object to look at. And then they indicated that this interstellar cloud of gases, being born as a star, was currently 400 billion miles across, and they said it will probably burst into view in another 100,000 years when it drives the outer parts of the clouds into space. Now, again, I understand those words, but I'm having trouble wrapping my mind around a cloud of gas, 400 billion miles across, about to be born as a star and burst into sight in a thousand centuries or so. Are you still there? I mean, on the dock. On your back, in the dark. On a clear night, in July, over the lake, looking at the stars. Among them, oh, you can't see them with your eye, but among them, The things I just mentioned. Now listen. You shine like stars in the universe. You get some sense of the magnitude of what God expects of us, of the importance of our mission, of the value of our presence on this planet for the plan of God. We're called, in effect... Not just to aim for the stars out there, but to be like those stars in significant ways right here. We are like stars in the universe. The first thing to recognize is that something absolutely astounding is supposed to be going on right in the middle of the church. Lloyd Ogilvie put it this way, a very different kind of church must emerge in America. I believe that the church is about to have its finest hour in America, but only as it is different from our culture, offering a quality of life which can be found nowhere else, Can we survive as something more than a custom in folk religion? Paul's question to the Corinthians leaps out of our New Testament. Who sees anything different in you? Something incredibly amazing should be going on in the church if we're supposed to shine like stars. Now, hear God say to each one of us, Stars, this morning, do everything, stars. Oh, Paul, I wish you weren't so exclusive. Do everything, not just a lot of things, or five things, or most things, but everything. Without complaining or arguing. One of the things God is working in us, to use Paul's words, and expecting us to work out in our lives, is the removal of undertones and undercurrents. And complaining is first on the list. Complaining is murmuring. It's a quiet, grudging, muttering that goes on behind the scenes. And we can mutter pretty well about each other. And if we're sure of the audience we're in, we can even mutter pretty well about God. It's a kind of rumbling undertone of dissatisfaction that goes nowhere and accomplishes nothing except to deflect the light instead of concentrating it through divisions in the church. Here, in the church, first of all and best of all, the world ought to see the light of love shining like a star that you could see even if it was 520 million light years away because there's no complaining. And without arguing, Paul adds, arguing is not discussion, not the word Paul used. It's discussion with an undercurrent of suspicion and doubt. These are not debates. These are fights. People are angry with each other. People are not fair to each other. People don't listen to each other. And the major interest is not to resolve a problem, but to win. And it's usually in the church over something that isn't of the essence of the church or at the center of the gospel. Now, a church aiming to be like stars we will do everything not to be arguing. Talking, yes. Discussing, yes. Debating, yes. Disagreeing even, yes. Praying, yes, yes, yes. yes. But not arguing. No undertones of murmuring, complaining about each other or God, and no undercurrents of arguing, angry with each other or God, so that you may become blameless and pure. Blameless, not not perfect, but as much as possible and in every way possible, above reproach living lives so devoted to God and to each other and to the cause of God in the world that even the most ardent critic would find it difficult to point a finger at anything. Trying through our behavior to point always to the light rather than to deflect it. And pure too. Again, not perfect but without hypocrisy. Listen to this. It's simple. And it's us. There's a little boy who was misbehaving once, and one of his parents said to him, and there was a chair right there, you sit on that chair right now. And the kid walked over with a scowl on his face and sat on it hard, but was heard to say under his breath, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm still standing up on the inside. How often don't we do that? Sit down on the outside and look obedient and stand up on the inside and be defiant. We must be living a life... That is, as much as possible, unimpeachable. And working with motives that are as much as possible, unadulterated. That's what ought to be going on in the middle of the church. And while that's going on in the middle of the church, the church is right smack in the middle of the world. And there, in the middle of the world... We are to be, Paul said, without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. You and I live in a world that's crooked and depraved. All you have to do is listen to one newscast, and you know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. It's like living in the darkness. A kind of moral, spiritual darkness is out there, even in the brightest sunlight that has persuaded more and more people to think the only rule is that there aren't any rules. Anything goes. That's where we are. And there, in that darkness, God says, you are to shine like stars. There, here, you shine like stars in the universe. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, chapter 5, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. In a world where there are no rules except do what you want, we follow God's rules. And in a way that entices others to follow them with us. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which we shine like stars in the universe. Paul says, as you hold out the word of life. That's what we're doing when we act that way. In word and action, holding out the word of life. There's a debate as to whether hold out means to grab hold of it and never let go or to give it to others, to hang on or to hand out. I say, why should it be one or the other? Let's consider it both. We'll surely do no good and be no good if we don't hold fast to the word of God and hang on to it with all we've got. Paul wrote to Corinth, by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you've believed in vain. Hold fast to the word of God. Do you read it every day? Do you pray over it and through it while you do that God will help you understand what this means? And you do what you can to apply it to the life you live and the circumstances you're in that day. Letting it become a part of who you are and letting God speak to you through it. But hold out can also mean to hold forth. Holding it before others. Holding it like a torch, like a light enabling you and others around you to see. To hold out is a verb that in the Greek language was more often used to refer to the act of bringing a, a tray of wine to guests in your house, to offer it to them, to invite them to take it, to share it with them. That's what we're to do with the word. Think of what that means in a congregation of this size represented by roughly 300 different addresses somewhere in the broader community. 300, let's say, different parishes where this church resides during the week. Each one of those parishes a place with a torch for Jesus that goes by your name. The more we hold it fast the better we'll be able to hold it forth. And so, in a world aiming for the stars, Paul tells us to be stars. Max Lucado calls us candles, and they both see us as lights. I think Paul would have agreed 100% with this telling little story Max Locato wrote in his book, God Came Near. A few nights ago, something peculiar happened. An electrical storm caused a blackout in our neighborhood. When the lights went on, I felt my way through the darkness into the storage closet where we kept the candles for a night like this. I took my match and lit four of them. How great to have light, I said out loud, and then spoke to the candles. If you do such a good job here in the storage closet, just wait till you get out where you're really needed. I I was turning to leave with the large candle in my hand when I heard a voice. Now hold it right there. Hmm, maybe it was the wind. I I took another step. Hold it, I said. There was that voice again. My hands began to sweat. I I lifted up the candle to take a closer look. You won't believe what I saw. There was a tiny face in the wax, wax a moving, functioning, flesh like face full of expression and life. Don't you take me out of here. What do you mean? I have to take you out. You're a candle. Your job is to give light. It's dark out there. People are stubbing their toes and walking into walls. But you can't take me out. I'm not ready, the candle explained with pleading eyes. I need more preparation. I've decided I need to research the job of giving light so I won't go out and make a bunch of mistakes. So I'm doing some studying. I just finished a book on wind resistance. I'm in the middle of a great series of tapes on wick buildup and conservation. And I'm reading the new bestseller on flame display. Have you heard of it? All right then, I said. You're not the only candle on the shelf. I'll blow you out and take the others. But just as it got my cheeks, Full of air, I heard other voices. We aren't going either. You are candles, and your job is to light dark places. Well, that may be what you think, said the candle on the far left. You may think we have to go, but I'm busy. I'm meditating on the importance of light. It's really enlightening. A short candle spoke up. I'm waiting to get my life together. I'm not stable enough. I lose my temper easily. I guess you could say that I'm a hothead. The last candle said, I'd like to help, but lighting the darkness is not my gift. Without asking my permission, she began a rendition of this little light of mine. I have to admit, she had a good voice. The other three joined in, filling the storage room with singing. Four perfectly healthy candles singing to each other about light, but refusing to come out of the closet. I stuck my hands in my pockets and walked back out in the darkness. I bumped my knee on the same freezer, then I bumped into my wife. Where are the candles, she asked. They don't, they won't work. Where did you buy those candles anyway? Oh, she said, they're church candles. (laughs) Remember the church that closed down across town? I bought them there. I understood. Let's pray. Oh God. It's so easy to glow with each other and to come here to get inflamed. But it's so hard to go out in the darkness and shine like stars in the universe. Fuel us up, fill us up And send us out, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, wherever we live, to shine for you. We pray in the name of the light of the world himself, Jesus Christ. Amen.